This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. If you own a business, large or small, my next guest can be an important part of how you deal with that business, whether it's brand new or it's been in the family for generations. I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer, we'll be talking to the folks at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's coming up at first. First, some of the consumer news from the past week. It was not the news that Canadians with a lot of debt or variable rate mortgages wanted to hear this past Wednesday. But the Bank of Canada did it anyway, pulling the trigger yet again and raising its key interest rate another quarter point to 5%. The bank also suggested it might be mid-2025 before inflation is back to its 2% target. The central bank isn't saying if it plans to raise rates again and is only saying its governing council will keep monitoring how excess demand, wage growth, and corporate pricing will influence inflation. Some of the people who are a little concerned about the rising rates are Canadian premiers. Ontario Premier Doug Ford says he understands the central bank is trying to knock down inflation, but... The repercussion is that a lot of Canadians just won't be able to afford to renew their mortgages. The World Health Organization's cancer agency says aspartame is a, quote, possible cause of cancer. Aspartame is the stuff you find in all sorts of foods, especially in diet soda. It's a sweetener. But a separate group uh, looking at the same evidence says it still considers the sugar substitute safe in limited quantities. Aspartame joins a category with more than three other possible cancer-causing agents, uh, things like aloe vera extract and Asian-style pickled vegetables. Montreal police raided a store this week selling illegal magic mushrooms and arrested four people, but a spokesperson for the shop says they plan to keep the store open. The first fun guys location in Quebec. I see what you did there. Fun guy. Mushrooms. Fun guys. They've just opened in Montreal. They were offering pills, dried fungi, and chocolate bars, all containing the psychedelic agent psilocybin, a substance subject to sale and possession bans in Canada, though it's becoming more and more popular with many people taking it in small microdoses. And a lot of people are selling it and police are just turning a blind eye. Swifties in France Uh, have been caught up in a Ticketmaster snafu similar to what plagued Taylor Swift's American fans last November. Sales for six Swift concerts in France for next year were abruptly postponed without explanation just hours after the tickets went on sale. Ticketmaster's French Twitter account said it was a problem with a third-party provider, but a lot of people were unhappy. They were waiting for hours for tickets and they were in the queue and they had them in their basket and suddenly they lost them. And they announced the annual Emmy Awards nominations this past Wednesday. And it looks like HBO is the platform to beat. The HBO shows Succession, The White Lotus, and The Last of Us have raked in a total of 74 Emmy nominations. Succession scored 27 in its fourth and final season, including Best Drama, three nominations for Best Actor in a Drama, and four nominations for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama. The Last of Us was second with 24 nominations. The White Lotus had 23. The Emmys, though, 
maybe kind of overshadowed this year by all the labor problems in Hollywood. On Thursday, the actors voted to join the screenwriters in the first joint writers and actors strike in more than six decades. So the uh, picket lines just got a lot more glamorous now that the actors are there. Uh, And that's really bad news for our film and television industry here in Canada, since more than half of the film and TV shoots going on here are actually of American productions, and that will affect tens of thousands of Canadian jobs. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And up next, if you're buying or selling a business, you definitely want to talk to my next guest. When we come back, we'll talk to Andrew J. Brown, a business broker and advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's next. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. This is Martin Strong and Vancouver Consumer. If you own a business, if it's a small one or a large one, you are no doubt dealing with market conditions that are changing a lot these days. We've just had another interest rate hike, and that can really have an effect on your business. It's also having a big effect on those buying or selling a business. And my next guest can be an important part of that. With me now is Andrew J. Brown, a merger and acquisitions advisor for Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can find them online at pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Andrew J. Brown, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Martin. All right. So, I mean, things really are changing uh, in the market, just overall. I mean, we've had another interest rate hike, and this one this one seems a little more serious than the last one. I'm hearing a lot of pushback about this. But, I mean, in terms of businesses, if you are buying or selling a business, How different is the market today than it was, say, a year, two years ago? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that it's it's a bit different uh, in in in, from the from the buyer's perspective. I I wouldn't say that it's it's caused things to um, cease to a halt or or even slow down. Uh, There's still a lot of demand for good businesses to buy. Uh, and there's still, uh, frankly, a lot of activity. Um, it's just changing the way uh, buyers are, are buying businesses. Uh, it's no secret uh, that buyers prefer to leverage debt uh, when they're making an acquisition, uh, and therefore rising interest rates uh, is going to have an impact on that. Uh, so really how it affects it the most is the 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 cost of financing and the structure of how people uh, finance deals. Um, traditionally, with uh, lower interest rates, uh, buyers are in a position where they can try to leverage as much as debt, much debt as possible. Whereas with higher interest rates, uh, it puts them in a situation where uh, perhaps they're not able to do that as much. So it it, it changes the structure uh, from the buyer's perspective uh, quite a bit and does have a potential impact on uh, valuations and the discount rates involved in that. Right. And and just more reason why you should have uh, uh, an expert, a professional on your side, like Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about the steps involved 
in in selling a business. And uh, and when we're talking Pacific mergers and acquisitions, you deal with all sorts of businesses, right, from small to big ones. Yeah, we do. Uh, we play in a um, an area called the the lower middle market, and that's a pretty pretty wide net. Um, so small means different things to different people. Um, for us, we we generally work with businesses that are doing, you know, at least um, two million in revenue, uh, all the way up to say um, typically twenty or thirty million. Uh, that's the area that we play in. Uh, which for for some people at a at a big bank or large uh, corporation that is quite small. Uh, but for other people that are that are running perhaps sort of a one person business, that's that's quite large. Uh, but that's the area that we play in. Right. And and I guess a lot of people, they're so busy with their business. They're so busy building up the business. And when it comes time to sell, maybe they, they want to retire or they want to just, you know, pass the, the business on to somebody else. They're not thinking about uh, what makes the business valuable to a seller because they're so focused on the business, running the business. I, I guess that's probably something you find with most people. Yeah, it's it's. It's common, um, you know, to the point you, you made, uh, running a business, uh, it's, it's full-time. Uh, it can be very stressful and requires a lot of your energy. So you're, you're so focused, uh, at least you should be, as, as a business owner on your customers. Uh, and you're thinking about them and what they want and trying to address their needs and then, then certainly your employees as well. Uh, and that in itself is, is more than enough to do uh, for, for any business owner. Um, but really, when, when you transition to the mindset of selling your business, you need to constantly put yourself uh, in the position of a potential buyer's shoes. What would a buyer care about, a buyer care about when, when looking at a business to acquire? Right. And, and do most people in your experience, do they overvalue their business or do they undervalue their business? You know, most commonly they would, they would, uh, overvalue, uh, their business, you know, in, in this business, the, uh, most overused term is nobody has an ugly baby, so to speak, <laughs> where, uh, you know, everyone's business, uh, you know, tends to be a bit, uh, more than, um, in their mind, what it really is worth. Uh, you know, sometimes people are a bit um, undershooting as well, where they don't realize uh, how much they have. So um, it does work both ways. Typically, they, they perhaps might think it's, it's worth a bit more than it actually is. Yeah, and I, I guess it sort of uh, gets back to what we were talking about. People are so busy running the business, they don't see the forest for the trees. And it, sometimes it's probably both. They, they overvalue certain aspects because they're so focused on them. And then they undervalue other aspects of the business that, uh, that, a, that a buyer might find very attractive. And I guess that's one of the, the reasons people call Pacific mergers and acquisitions, because you see the entirety of the business and what, what a seller might really, really want. Yeah, we, we definitely um, help a seller uh, from the perspective of we, we have a, a lens uh, that, that the buyer looks at businesses through, and uh, we certainly um, make sure that we um, share that with sellers of companies that they understand that. You know, a, a general rule, though, uh, just to make it simple for most sellers that might be listening is... Uh, any buyer is most interested in uh, profitability and the earnings uh, that the, the business generates. 
Uh, any buyer buying anything uh, typically looks at it as an investment, and uh, they're looking at it from a manner where, you know, how quickly can I get a return on my investment? And that's typically based on the historical earnings of the business, and then what are the most likely uh, projected earnings going to be, and when are they going to get their, their money back, and then start actually making money once that uh, money is uh, returned to them. Right. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can find them online at pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. It's a simple website to remember, P-M-A-B-B.com. Uh, their phone number is 604-696-6111. They've got offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. You can also send them an email at info at pacificmergers.com. So let's talk about the, the process of people uh, getting involved. Say somebody listening has a business and they're thinking of selling the business. I mean, first off, would you describe uh, what you do as a little bit like a, a real estate agent when someone sells uh, a home or something like that? Is that a fair comparison? Certainly. I mean, it, it, I, I'd find that reasonable. I think a, a, a big differentiator between what we do and what real estate professionals do is um, the, the confidentiality aspect of selling a business is extremely important. Uh, when you're when you're selling your, your house, uh, you're kind of putting it out there for everyone to see and you, you want them to know uh, where it is and that sort of thing. Whereas when you're selling a business, you've got employees, you've got customers, you've got suppliers to consider. And more often than not, the business owner does not want those stakeholders to find out that they're trying to sell their business. Uh, so it's different from that perspective. Um, the similarities are, you know, the, the first stage that we that we work with the, the, the seller on is helping them understand what the value of their business is. Um, so uh, that's similar to real estate because that's going to be a, uh, a common uh, theme for, for both types of sales. And then from there, it's a bit different because when uh, a buyer is buying a business, the due diligence that they do on a business is much different from buying a piece of property. A piece of property you know, perhaps there's environmental assessments that go on and that sort of thing where you're acquiring a business, there's uh, licenses and permits involved, uh, there's uh, employees involved, there's all sorts of things uh, in the due diligence process that's much more comprehensive than, than acquiring real estate. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I guess every business is different. It's so complicated because some businesses can be big and complicated, but they kind of run themselves. Other businesses are based on maybe a person and their expertise. And maybe that is the person that's leaving the business. So I guess they're all different, right? They certainly are. And in, in one of the things that we try to uh, implore to, to sellers when preparing their business for sale is to remove themselves from the business as far as it being dependent upon them. Uh, a lot of times that's easier said than done, uh, but buyers typically would like to think that they could replace the business owner either themselves or find someone that they can put in if they're, say, a private equity group. And the more dependent the business is on you, um, you know, that's going to have an impact on the value. And, and, and we have things that we call value drivers when valuing a business and owner dependency is definitely one of them. So if the, if the business is completely dependent on you, 
that value driver is going to, you know, achieve a low score uh, in the in the valuation process. Yeah, and I guess sometimes it's not even the business owner. It's maybe they have one employee who kind of knows everything, and if that employee suddenly bolts, uh, there's problems. Well, t- certainly. I mean, I think that. Uh, from a buyer's perspective, that would be uh, tremendously concerning. And I just think as a business owner, that would be concerning as well, just running your business. If you're dependent on one employee, uh, you're putting yourself in a precarious situation, certainly. Right. And so if if someone was to, to go to the website, pmabb.com, that's the Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated uh, website, and uh, set up a meeting with you. I mean, what, what are some of the first steps that you take? What are the first questions that you ask uh, a business owner who's thinking of selling? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first thing we would want people to understand is when approaching us that we, we maintain the highest level of confidentiality. So I, I, I'd like people to uh, feel confident that when they reach out to us, uh, they know that everything that's being shared is is done in, a, in an extremely confidential manner, and you know, happy to do an NDA even uh, in advance of having a chat just to make them feel comfortable. Uh, but from there, um, we we just ask the basic questions just to get to understand what type of business it is. Uh, we do uh, need to find out the, the general size uh, as far as uh, annual revenue and profitability, that sort of thing. Uh, and then from there, you know, the most important question is, is, you know, why are you interested in selling? Are you looking to retire? Are you looking to do other things? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. And you can find them online, pmabb.com. They have a phone number as well, of course, 604-696-6111, Their offices are in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna, affiliated members worldwide. And we're talking about uh, selling your business and Pacific mergers and acquisitions can help. And when when we come back, with Andrew J. Brown. Uh, I want to talk about some of the steps involved in selling a business. How long does it take and uh, what you can do to make that go a lot smoother. And that's all when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And with me this afternoon is Andrew J. Brown, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. If you own a business and you're um, thinking maybe it's time to retire or maybe sell the business, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions are the people who will help you sell that business and make the most of uh, the work you've put into that business over those years. I'm And uh, Andrew is with us. If you want to go to their website, pmabb.com. Uh, pmab.com pmabb.com is the website for pacific mergers and acquisitions and andrew um just as i'm saying that about people selling their business it kind of occurs to me that uh the the amount of 
blood, sweat, and tears that someone puts into a business, it must make it uh, a very emotional thing for someone to sell a business in many cases. And I guess, I guess you've seen some people who, who've had to, you know, give up something that they've spent so much of their life, you know, sacrificing for. So I guess it is kind of an emotional thing sometimes. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's different for, for every seller um, as far as the level of an emotion involved, but it, it definitely is an emotional process where if they've spent sometimes, you know, 30, 40 plus years uh, building their business and, and, and that's all they do, it can be a tremendously emotional process. And that uh, certainly comes out along the way when, when you're working with sellers. Yeah. And then I guess occasionally you get somebody, I just want out. I just want to go to a beach somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, it, it's, it's, that's not uh, uncommon at all. Uh, you, you, you talk to a business owner who's been doing it for a while and, uh, you know, you hear the words, you know, I'm done, I'm done. It's, it's time. And, uh, yeah. from that perspective, they're pretty, pretty keen to move on. And, you know, maybe it's still emotional for them, but they're definitely committed and from our perspective, that's ultimately what we want to hear. Um, when, when you're working uh, to sell your business, you, you really do need to be in a mindset where uh, you're looking to, to sell, not to a point where you're desperate by any means or anything like that, but you, you do have to make that decision uh, internally that it's time. Um, you can't get into a situation where you're testing the market, that sort of thing. It's, it's not like real estate from that perspective where you can just kind of put it out there. Uh, there's a lot involved to prepare your business for sale uh, from a business owner's perspective and, and from the, the advisor that you're working with. So it, it is a decision that you have to kind of come to that for the right price and terms, you are uh, looking to sell your business. Yeah. And, and how does timing fit into all this? I mean, we've gone through so many changes in the past, say, three to four years from from COVID now to inflation and higher interest rates. Um, are there factors that go into when to sell a business or is it just, you know, it, it, you know, business or the, the market conditions are always changing and there will always be businesses selling. So, so talk about the timing of selling a business. Yeah, I mean, on a macro level, there will always be businesses that are selling and the activity is ongoing. On a individual uh, level, uh, it really does come down to uh, making sure that you're putting your best foot forward. Uh, you have to be in a position where you're presenting your, your business as a great opportunity uh, for a potential buyer. Um, it's not optimal uh, to be in a position where the business is almost winding itself down and the revenues and, and profits have been on a steady decline. Uh, that's not going to um, put yourself in the best position in the eyes of a buyer. Um, you definitely want it to be kind of trending in the other way. Right. And, and you talk about confidentiality being important uh, with Pacific mergers and acquisitions when someone is selling their business. And I, I you kind of touched on this, but I guess it is a touchy thing because because the moment that a business uh, is said to be up for sale, if everybody knows it's up for sale, that can actually change the valuation of that business, right? No, no doubt about it. I'd say confidentiality is is one of the most important things uh, in the in the process, and it's something that we 
strive towards on on every uh, sale that we do uh, is maintaining that confidentiality. Um, it's extremely important uh, to business owners to feel confident that uh, when when selling their business that they're not at risk of their employees finding out or uh, their customers or their suppliers. So maintaining that confidentiality is something that we uh, focus on quite a bit, and you, and you do that uh, through uh, non-disclosures, making sure that anyone that uh, views the details on your business is well qualified and has signed a non-disclosure, uh, that sort of thing. Right. And, and that's why you want uh, professionals like Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions on your side. And Andrew J. Brown is our guest on Vancouver Consumer. He's a merger and acquisitions advisor, and we're talking about selling your business. And if you want to get a hold of Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions, uh, just go to their website, pmabb.com, pmab.com. You can also phone them 604-696-6111. They've got offices all over the lower mainland. Go to pmab, pmabb.com and find out. And if someone calls you up, um, uh, we were kind of talking about the, the, the process for it for selling a business? I mean, here's a question. Generally, uh, how long does it take to, to sell a business? Is it generally longer than people expect or is it, is it shorter or does it change all the time? It changes all the time and it really does depend on the type of business and the size. Uh, generally speaking, the larger the business, it, it probably would take a bit longer. Uh, sometimes those transactions of, of the larger size do go quicker. Uh, so it does depend. Um, we... Um, we, we look at things like, on average, it takes anywhere between six to nine months type of thing, uh, but certainly sometimes it can take longer than 12 months, and, and sometimes it can take uh, only three months. So it really does depend. Right. And we, we talked a little bit about the size of businesses that uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions kind of specializes in. So so what did you call it? Sort of small to me, medium to large or what you had a phrase for it? I can't well, remember. I mean, there's I mean, it's it's there's there's a lot of different acronyms and, and jargon that uh, people use. Uh, we, you know, small, medium businesses. So SMB, uh, that's, that's, uh, an area that we work in. Uh, we also, uh, our area, we, we call it the lower middle market and that can be defined differently by different people. For us, that means generally any business that does 2 million a year in revenue up to, uh, 30 million, uh, and certainly a business that's profitable, uh, generally doing at least 500 K and above in, in, uh, in, in profits as well. Right. So if somebody listening has a business and they're starting to think about selling, maybe it's just sort of dawning on them that maybe it's time to move on to sell this business. What's the first thing they should do besides getting a hold of Pacific mergers and acquisitions? What do you what would you say is the very first thing someone should do who is thinking that maybe it's time to sell a business? Yeah, I mean, ideally, uh, you want to prepare your company um you know, uh, in advance to do it. I would recommend to any business owner, they have at least a, a three-year plan, uh, best case scenario, five-year plan around selling their business uh, with, you know, things like a succession plan in mind. Uh, it isn't something that I would recommend doing as a, as a knee-jerk type of thing. Um, and I, I think we touched on this before, an important way to look at it is in through the eyes of a potential buyer 
Um, you know, if you're buying a business, what are the things that you would look for? And ultimately, it comes down to uh, presenting yourself as a great opportunity for a potential buyer. And then knowing within that, that at the end of the day, the most important thing are potential future earnings uh, from a buyer's perspective and not to get too hung up on things outside of that. Other factors are extremely important, not suggesting that they are, aren't. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're, if you're going to have a north star, so to speak, of what to focus on, it is uh, the earnings of a business. Right. And there's probably, like you said earlier on about uh, maybe uh, there's the owner has, uh, you know, so much of the the day-to-day operations on their plate, like maybe they run the whole place. And I guess if you have a three to five year plan, you could notice that and say, I'm going to need to train somebody else to kind of be ready to take over. I'm, I'm going to need to to not be so hands-on. I guess that's one example of, of things that you can kind of fix in a three to five year time frame. No doubt about it. Uh, it's getting some, some key people in place uh, that can do what you do uh, and that could potentially stay on with the business post-acquisition. Uh, that is definitely a good area to focus on. Another thing to think about are, are your sort of concentration levels. And what that means when I, when I say that is uh, is a lot of your business concentrated on one customer? Uh, if so, uh, you might want to um, change that where uh, if you're focused strictly on one customer, that presents a lot of risk in the eyes of a buyer. And you want to lower that concentration and uh, have many customers and not have one customer that represents more than, say, 10% of your annual revenue. Right. Yeah, because you lose that account, then you're sunk. I guess you could be, you could be, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and those, those are the kinds of things that, uh, you will, uh, learn when you talk to the people at Pacific mergers and acquisitions, um, and, uh, and valuation, I guess that's, uh, is that the first thing that, that Pacific mergers and acquisitions will do is, is decide what the value of that company is and, ex- and sort of spell that out. Yes. I mean, we have a process, uh, most firms like ours do, and the the first stage in our process is uh, working to understand what the uh, valuation of the business is, and we do that in in an objective manner uh, where we're giving an objective opinion of value uh, that's not influenced by any desire we might have to try to sell the business. Uh, We do it separately from the other stages in the selling process, so that we're presenting to the to the the business owner. Uh, this is objectively what your business is worth. And from our perspective, we do it on a no obligation basis. Where uh, once we present that, you know, there's no obligation to move forward if they're uh, not aligned to that value that we provide them. Uh, we certainly need them to be aligned. Otherwise, uh, we're not going to be put into a situation where we're setting unrealistic expectations. Right. So if somebody uh, goes to PMABB.com, they can talk to you and uh, just kind of decide whether they want to move forward or not. That's right. And, you know, where we're a a bit different from, say, some some commercial real estate folks that uh, sell businesses is we are... um, pretty thorough in the early stage. We, we don't just sort of take something on and put it on a website. Uh, we do uh, work diligently to make sure that we understand the value of the business. 
and you know there's there's some effort and a cost associated with that which is a bit different from say uh, some other uh, commercial brokers that would just be willing to just kind of give them a, a rule of thumb valuation and say, yeah, this is generally what it's worth. We'll just put it on the website and see what happens. Uh, we don't do that. Uh, we we make sure that uh, we're we're well aligned on the uh, potential value of the business, and we work uh, very hard to understand uh, the drivers behind it and that sort of thing. Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions is the place to call. And you can go to their website, pmabb.com, 604-696-6111 is the phone number. Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Andrew J. Brown, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor, thanks so much for talking to us. Thanks, Martin. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, always a pleasure, Andrew. And when we come back on Vancouver Consumer... How on this day, Vancouver's aquarium became accidentally the first aquarium to ever have a captive orca whale. That story when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back. There's a lot going on this weekend in history. It was today on this date... 1959 that the Queen Elizabeth Theatre officially got its name. Up until that time, it was called the Vancouver Civic Auditorium, but it was on July 15th, 1959, when the actual Queen, Queen Elizabeth, and her husband, Philip, made a whirlwind 10-hour tour of the Lower Mainland. They made all sorts of stops, including the official opening of the Dees Island Tunnel, which is now the Massey Tunnel, followed by a luncheon at the Hotel Vancouver, and it all ended with a musical performance at the now-named Queen Elizabeth Theatre, named after the late Queen Elizabeth. That was 1959. Five years later, in 1964, on the 17th of July, that was the date when the Vancouver Aquarium accidentally became the first public aquarium in Vancouver to capture and display an orca whale. And I say accidentally because it was all the result of a botched hunt in the Strait of Georgia. It's kind of a horrible story all around. The aquarium was actually trying to kill the orca and then study the remains. And then finally, they were going to cast a life-sized foam rubber replica but I guess the whale was still alive when they brought it in. The Vancouver Sun described it this way uh, in 1964. They said, quote, a harpooned, bullet-wounded killer whale was led into Vancouver Harbor on a leash today, all in the interest of science, unquote. To be fair, back in the early 60s, they didn't know much about orcas, with the newspapers often referring them to them as sea monsters. Even the name killer whale kind of showed the attitudes that we humans had towards them. In fact, uh, orca whales were so feared that the Department of Fisheries had installed a 50 caliber browning machine gun at Seymour Narrows to protect people on the water. It was believed that an orca would eat a human just like they would a salmon. We now, though, know that's not true. However, this live and wounded five-ton orca, which was later named Moby Doll, would prove to be very gentle and very intelligent. And after they removed the harpoon, Moby would survive. 
to become kind of a local celebrity in Vancouver. But more importantly, the scientific community would be able to experience an orca up close and it would transform the way many humans thought of, of whales and scientists as well. Sadly, Moby Doll would die after 87 days in captivity from a lung infection, but not before teaching us uh, a real valuable lesson about the great orca whale. And of course, a moratorium on capturing wild orcas would be placed in the Pacific Northwest in 1976, though the Vancouver Aquarium would have captive orcas until 2001, when their last one, Biosa, would be shipped to SeaWorld. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we'll be back next Saturday at 2 p.m. We're here every Saturday afternoon. Thanks uh, in large part to our producer, Leo Coelho. Thanks to Leo. I'm Martin Strong, and the news is next on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.